Welcome to the EggerSafe Network podcast, where our mission is protecting the people who feed the world. I have just a couple of housekeeping things I want to walk with you through. Uh, if you're not familiar with us, EggerSafe is a national member organization of people focusing on the occupational health needs of the farming community. We work in a wide variety of different ways around the country. Um, we have partners in, um, in lots of different places working in agriculture in all its different forms. We welcome you to interact with us, find out more about us. Uh, we are at agrisafe.org. We're always looking for more partners, uh, more opportunities to work together with people who are involved in agriculture and in its varied forms. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce you my colleague, Linda Emanuel. And um, it is my honor for me to spend a little bit of time with you today talking about our Veterans Health series. So we know veteran farmers typically differ from their urban counterparts in terms of social ties, demographic characteristics, culture, and access to institutional care and support. And AgriSafe is leading that charge to assist this underserved population with our Veteran Farmer Health series. And through webinars and resources, um, our hope is that we provide a discussion platform to identify health disparities that are unique to the rural American men and women who have returned from one or more duty tours. We'll explore the challenges and solutions and increase access to support as well as those creative community-based opportunities to assist the rural veteran farmer and rancher. Oh, computer. Um, stories from the field project. And um, these are veterans um, working in agriculture that we wish to share your story. That could be an inspiration and, and help another farmer and rancher. And if interested, I um, encourage you to contact me and my email address is there, ellemanuel at agrisafe.org. Um, you can also access uh, the Stories from the Field Project under our Veterans Health tab. Um, just give us a little story about you and then I will contact you and, and would love to do an interview and then share your story with others on our online platform. I also wish to thank our veterans. Um, we, uh, especially over this last weekend, realized um, the importance of freedom and in, in being able to be who we are um, in America. And so thank you for your service. And also, without further ado, because the computer told me I need to move ahead, um, I wish to introduce you to Susan Harris. Susan Harris is an educator and works in rural health, wellness, and safety at our University of Nebraska Extension. Um, she has a 14-year history um, of studying sleep. Um, she works in education, and she's a lia liaison and works in administrative work in health, wellness, and safety. And she brings a passion about her and, and that crucial need for quality sleep. So without further ado, I wish to introduce you to Susan Harris. Thank you, Linda. And I am so excited to be here today. This is my passion topic, and I'm I'm always happy to talk about sleep and sleeplessness. Sleep rules our lives. Um, it controls us physically, emotionally, socially, behaviorally, nutritionally, cognitively, everything you can imagine. And maybe, there we go. So first, I would like you to, if you have a, a piece of paper beside you, or maybe on your phone, something, just write down, if you would, your top five priorities. They can be anything in your life. These are just examples of things that have been written by people before. So if you would just write down your top 
five priorities and then just kind of set that aside. We're going to look at it later. So what if you saw this ad in a magazine that said, scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer. It enhances your memory and makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards off colds and the flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke, not to mention diabetes. You'll even feel happier, less depressed, and less anxious. It's free. Is anybody interested? So now if you saw that, it was free. It was going to be delivered to your doorstep. Wouldn't you just say, heck yeah, bring that. So I, know, I want you to look at all those things. And you already know what the answer is because we know what we're going to talk about today. But it is absolutely true. Sleep is the most underestimated and underutilized health aid in our modern society. Absolutely. It is the sleep, the lack of sleep or sleep deficiency is now identified as a public health problem by the US Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization. Um, it's, it's essentially another pandemic that we are experiencing, especially in our, in our children. So let's look ahead. Yeah, it was really cute back then at that age, wasn't it? It's not so cute at our age. So first of all, I'm guessing that some of you might consider yourself an, as an insomniac. The definition of insomnia uh, has been put in several different ways, but this is probably the best one I found. If you have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or you experience non-restorative sleep. In other words, you wake up and you just are kind of dragging the whole day. Um, even it, this happens even though you have an adequate opportunity to sleep and it is associated with daytime impairment or distress and occurs at least three times per week and has been a problem for at least a month. So if it's an ongoing chronic situation for you, then yes, you very well could be um, an insomniac. Why is it a big deal? Because people with insomnia can experience a whole lot of problems, excess daytime sleepiness, difficulty concentrating, risk for accidents and illness, which becomes a huge problem on farm and ranch properties, because we know how dangerous farming and ranching is anyway. And then to add to it, um, this fatigue factor become, becomes life-threatening. So, Sleep is like this umbrella that rules everything in our life, all of these things and so much more. So you have your physical health and you know, we all think of energy drain and that's all that sleep does to us. Yes, absolutely, that's what it does. That's one symptom, but there are other things too. Um, sleep is like this overnight cleaning crew that goes into your brain and, and cleans it out and then it heads down into the basement and it cleans out um, you know, it, it repairs your organs and your muscles and rejuvenates them. Um, it, it helps your immune system. And there are some really interesting studies showing that those who didn't sleep seven to nine hours for a full week before they had their flu shot have 50% 50, 50 less immunity antibodies in their blood. And that, that says a lot. Um, it, it repairs our immune system. It, it helps our hormone balance. There are other studies that show that um, sperm count is much lower in men who short sleep and 
and the ability to have babies and women lowers um, with short sleep as well. For our mental health, uh, this is crucial, especially for our children who are learning and developing every day. There's this process called consolidation that uh, takes what you learn during the day and it cements it into your brain with sleep. And without that sleep, much of it just flies away, never to be remembered again. So memories, emotions, emotions are especially affected um, because we become more irrational when we have less sleep. And there are all kinds of brain studies to prove that as well. And again, safety, especially on the farm and ranch, our coordination, our judgment, we just become klutzier, we make poor decisions, and it just makes for a very dangerous situation. So let's start with our children. Children ages seven to eight who get less than about eight hours of sleep a night are more likely to be hyperactive, inattentive, and impulsive. How crazy is that? Because when we don't have enough sleep, our initial and main symptom is that we drag, we have low energy. It is totally opposite for these little guys. They are bouncing off the walls and it's very similar to ADHD uh, symptoms and signs. So a lot of times these children are taken to the doctor. The doctor um, is told what kinds of symptoms there are and they are given drugs. Ritalin, Adderall, you know, and these drugs are the kinds of drugs that keep even adults awake at night. So it's very, it's, it's a dangerous situation and it's un, undiagnosed or misdiagnosed many times. It's been estimated up to 50% of diagnoses are um, misdiagnoses. So I urge you, if you have a child, if you know someone who has a child who has these type of symptoms, when you go to the doctor, mention the sleep thing or the doctor might say, how much sleep are they getting? So if you look at the United States and you look at um, your state, you might say, well, we're doing pretty well. You know, we're more in the yellow zone. Um, however, that's still a fourth to a third of everybody uh, sleeping less than seven hours per night. So, so remember that umbrella when uh, sleep show that it rules over all these things, including our metabolism, obesity, weight gain, all of that is very closely linked with um, with sleep deprivation. So people getting less than six hours of sleep at night are five times more likely to be obese and have a 56% increased risk for type two diabetes. Sleep helps you stay slim. All right, so then on the safety side of things, again, um, we don't have sleepalyzer tests like we have um, breathalyzer tests, right? But we have reports of, of people telling people that they were uh, drowsy when they were driving. And that's how these police reports come in with the drowsy driving incidents. However, you know, how many times did the people not tell the police that they were drowsy? So that's just an estimate. Also, sleepiness accounts for the highest number of fatal single car run off the road crashes, even more than alcohol and drugs combined. Up to 6,000 fatal crashes happen every year. Uh, by drowsy drivers, and that's our best guess. Being awake for a long time is like being drunk. So if you're awake for 15.84 hours, that is the beginning of what's called executive dysfunction. So that's just the basic things that you do every day. You start to sort of get clumsy and or forgetful and not do those things as well. Then after 18 hours of being awake, it's the same as having a blood alcohol content of 0.05, which is the legal intoxication level in Utah, by the way. 21 hours awake, 
is like being drunk in Nebraska. I always use that because that's where we live. And if you're awake for 24 hours, that is like just being smashed. You're absolutely wasted. So if you've ever pulled an all-nighter and you have gotten into a car and you feel kind of woozy, drowsy, please reconsider. Stop the car. Don't drive. Um, they've, they've also shown that it's not just our reactions are slowed, but there are missing pieces of time in the reactions, almost like little micro sleeps. So you're not just slower, but you're totally missing things. And that's what makes it so dangerous. So a lot of people try to fix this problem with over-the-counter sleeping pills or caffeine or something to pump them back up. Well, here's the problem with that. Over-the-counter sleeping pills and other sleeping pills cause next day drowsiness or this hangover effect sometimes. And they can definitely impair your balance and driving performance. Um, they can have consequences like dizziness, constipation, you become dependent upon them. I see that a lot. I hear about that a lot. Uh, some drugs, and these aren't necessarily over-the-counter, but maybe more like prescription drugs, can cause very bizarre things like um, night eating and not knowing that you did it, shopping online and then having UPS deliver something to your door a couple days later that you don't remember ordering, and driving with no memory, which has caused um, some catastrophic um, accidents with deaths in the past. So, and I'm talking about drugs like Ambien. They say it right on the label. You know, you you may this drug may cause you to get up and do things that you don't remember the next morning. They they tell you that it can happen. So please just be careful if you if you do take those. And it's not real sleep. It's blocking some things in your body that need to be done. Remember that overnight cleaning crew? That's how it's best described. And it can't do its work when it's, um, I don't know, blocked by a sleeping pill. So that's just really important to remember. And, and I will not talk about sleeping pills helping you at all in this, in this program, but I will talk about um, other ways. So, Talking about marketing, I used to drink cranberry juice all the time, 100% ju juice with no sugar added. That's perfect, right? That's good for you. It's good for your urinary tract. You should drink it. Okay. And then I was reading this magazine and I, I actually took a picture of it after I saw this ad. It's not cranberry juice. It's a blend of four juices. Those aren't real eyelashes. Those are inserts. Those are fake eyelashes made for the ad. But marketing teaches us the thing about Benadryl and this nighttime sleep aid is that they are exactly the same thing. They are both diphenhydramine hydrochloride, both 25 milligrams. The only difference is one's blue, one is pink. One is advertised as an antihistamine for allergies. One is advertised as a nighttime sleep aid. So essentially, if you are giving your child um, Benadryl, for example, you are giving them a sleeping pill. And I just wanted to bring this to your attention because um, yes, Benadryl can be great for allergies, but maybe only do it at nighttime. Um, and I, I wouldn't recommend it for kids. I don't know what a doctor would say about this, but um, I know that they are the same ingredients. So essentially you are giving your child a sleeping pill or you are taking a sleeping pill if you are taking Benadryl. Now this um, is advice from a doctor that I know, Dr. Cantrell out of Kearney. He says to avoid decongestants or other stimulants at night or anything with a D on it. And there are tons of those for allergies. This is a good time of year to keep this in mind. 
um, they, they, they buzz you up. So take it early in the day and not before you go to bed. And essentially, this is what we see in America. We are a reactive society, not a proactive society. We are hesitant to change, but we are eager to just have a quick fix. And I will start with our number one tip. Get up at the same time every day because this is all about your circadian rhythm. And that is what tells your body when it's time to sleep and when it's time to be awake. So resetting that happens as soon as you see light in the morning. Your, your eyes sense that light. Even, by the way, even when your eyelids are closed, your, your eyes can sense that light. So that's our first signal um, that it's time to get up. So if you can make yourself get up at the same time every day. Personally, I never set an alarm clock. I don't like alarm clocks unless I have to catch a flight or something. Um, but if you, can, if you can get up at the same time every day um, naturally, that's even better. Now to do that, some of you might be saying, yeah, right, I, I catch up whenever I can because I sleep so horribly. Well, here's a trick that if you're one of those people who gets up at three every morning and wake and you just lay there awake staring at the ceiling for a couple of hours this could be very useful and i know some people who have done this with success it does take a lot of determination and discipline but it can be done so essentially what you're doing is you figure out how many hours you're getting per night let's say it's six hours and we know that's not enough you should get at least seven seven to eight hours per night unless by the way some of you may say, I function great on five hours every time. I'm just a person who can do that. Well, I'm guessing that you have some kind of impairments or issues that you aren't even realizing that you're having because it's a very small percentage of 1% of the world who can survive on little sleep like that successfully. Just keep that in mind. Okay, so anyway, back to this sleep restriction therapy tip. So you start by allowing only that number of hours in bed for one week. So you only allow yourself six hours in bed for one week. And you're going to be really tired that week. So don't make it during an important week, by the way. <laughs> the next week, you would add 15 minutes of sleep. The next week after that, you'd add another 15 minutes of sleep until you get to the point where finally, consistently, you are waking up before the, the alarm goes off. And you, you know that at that point, you probably won't need an alarm if you keep doing it on a regular basis. So this is really useful in training your body that these are the only hours that I get to sleep. And if I'm not in bed during these hours, I'm gonna lose out and your body will be so tired and sleep deprived um, after a couple weeks of starting this that it, it will fall right into place and it will understand. I, I, I cannot be sitting here thinking and staring at the ceiling, I need to sleep. And um, it really does work. It does, it does take some discipline. I know someone um, specifically who did this, and he said the hardest part was staying awake so late, and he taught himself guitar in the basement <laughs> away from his family so he didn't wake them up. All right, number three, create mental triggers, just like we do for our children. You know, we read them a book, we put on their jammies. Um, we can do the same thing, a warm bath, read a book, a, late, a light snack, put on your sweats, Maybe if you're one of those who has those uh, monkey mind thoughts, things going through your head, write down some, some things to do the next day so that you don't have to lay in bed and think about them. Wear non-restrictive clothing or none at all. Anything that tangles or twists around you 
or pushes against your bladder if it has an elastic waistband, absolutely must go. This is a surprising one. So there are two major things that we should consider besides getting up the same time every morning. Two major things I want you to remember. One of them is about temperature. One of them is about light. So this one about temperature is that even though we think we wanna be warm when we sleep, and trust me, I'm the coldest person on earth, so this one was tough for me. But once I did it, I realized it really does work. Your room temperature should be around 65 degrees, anywhere from 60 to 68 degrees, because our bodies have to cool down. That is one of the signals in our circadian um, biology that tells us that it's time to sleep. Our body cools down at night and then it gets warmer right around four o'clock. It starts going up again, four o'clock in the morning, it starts getting warmer and warmer and warmer. And um, this is a cue to your body. So cooling in your room is absolutely necessary, like a cave, right? However, some of us have cold feet, cold hands. Um, it's recommended to take a hot water bottle or some kind of heat source and put them on your feet or your hands um, if, you're, if you're always cold. And you might say, well, that's defeating the purpose. That's heating me up. Well, it's kind of luring the heat, um, the blood to those areas for a while to warm them up. And then once you kick away that hot water bottle or kick away that corn bag at your feet, um, your body begins that process called vasodilation where your, your, your blood vessels are um, getting rid of the heat there. So essentially it's doing the same thing. It's just kind of promoting it to happen and making you feel comfortable at the same time. Sleep position, this is a big one. If I had you in a room, I would ask you, how many of you sleep on your back? How many of you sleep on your side, et cetera, et cetera. And most of you would say that you sleep on your side. So the actual best position is on your back, unless you have sleep apnea. And this is because your sinuses are totally open. You're not smashing one side or the other. Your back is perfectly straight and you're not curled up and hunched over like in the fetal position, like sometimes we do on our side. And I always like to say, you know what? It's giving you an automatic free natural facelift with gravity too. Who wouldn't want that? So you got three great benefits going on with being on your back. On your side is good as well. Um, the only problem is that when your legs are stacked, your hips are not in a natural position when you, when you do that. So it's good to take a pillow and stuff it between your legs. Um, make sure your arms aren't kinked up. I know a lot of us, when we're in the, the side position, we tend to, to curl up like a fetal position. Um, but try to straighten those arms and you, you do, you just have to tell yourself as you drift off, okay, are my arms straight? Um, you know, are my, my legs stacked? And, and try to make it the best that it can be if that's how you prefer to sleep. On the left side, they say is better for dig digestion. Um, right side, it just depends on what is good for you. Now, for those of you who say that you sleep on your belly, that it can usually be a problem. Um, you probably wake up with back pain and neck pain because of course your, your neck is kinked over to the side, your back is swayed, um, your sinuses are absolutely just squished. So it's highly re recommended that if you do sleep on your, your belly to try to start sleeping more on your side or your back. Change your pillow or mattress plushness. Fat pillows are good for nothing, you guys, <laughs> except for propping up to read. Um, so 
try a thinner pillow if you have a fat one. And because again, it's that spinal alignment. If your neck is propped up, your spine is and your neck is at an angle and it should be straight across if possible. And again, like I said, try a pillow between your legs for hip support. Once in bed, do a body inventory. I actually did this one last night and it helps a lot. You focus on one body part at a time. So you could even do it right now as you're sitting here, you can close your eyes and you can think about your forehead and think, is there tenseness in my forehead? Okay, release it. Your eyes might be squinting together really tight. So then you would kind of release the, the tension there. And then you go down to your jaw. And I ask you, where is your tongue as we are talking? And I wish we were in a room that I could ask you that. And you would, most of you would say, it's pushing against the roof of my mouth. And it's probably something you never have thought about. But when you're in bed trying to sleep, um, that just represents a busy mind. So take that tongue, loosen your jaw, like open your mouth wide, and then prop that tongue in the bottom of your mouth behind your bottom teeth, and just let your jaw relax. That is the key, by the way. When I say on here, remember the key and come back to it, that is the key. Where is my tongue? Put it down, relax the jaw, because a lot of tension is held in there. And then you just go on your shoulders, relax your shoulders, down to your belly, make sure you're doing some good belly breaths, um, your legs, your feet, wiggle your toes, and then maybe come back to your top of your head and start all over again. Sometimes that tongue is back up there again, and that's a reminder to put it back down, relax your jaw, go through the whole body one by one, and then it just gets boring, and then you hopefully will drift off to sleep. Talk to your physician about um, iron tests to determine your iron level. Sometimes if you're anemic, um, that can interrupt your sleep. And sometimes if you currently take medicine, it's just a matter of changing when you take it. I recently found out that a medication um, that a relative of mine who I love dearly was taking uh, was not taking at the most opportune time. Like it, he was taking it at night before bed and that was a dangerous time to take it. Um, somehow he wasn't told that. So absolutely talk to your physician about when to take what medications and how I might uh, be involved with your sleep. This is my favorite one. Remember I said there are two things besides getting up at the same time, two things that are really important. One was temperature, two is light. So during the day, first thing in the morning, open those shades, open the curtains, get direct sunlight, or on days where we don't have it, use a phototherapy light right after you wake up. Just make sure that your eyes your brain is being told it's time to wake up. And then on the other side of that, dim your lights in the evening. There is absolutely no reason that you should have bright lights on all over your house as you're, as you're winding down your evening. Again, it comes back to those, those, um, those things that we do before we go to bed, like we do for our kids, those signals. That's one of them is as long as your brain is and your eyes are seeing that it's getting dimmer and the light is going down and it's, mimicking nature, um, you're more apt to have that melatonin released in your body that tells your body it's time to go to sleep. Again, if you don't exercise, there's no reason to be sleepy. So I like to call it activity, not exercise. I don't like the word exercise. I like to do activities that I enjoy, like walking dogs. So whatever you can do, um, especially in your downtimes, if you're watching TV and you you have commercials, make it your job during those commercials to lift weights, to 
do leg lifts, get on the floor, do sit up, something, anything. Um, sitting is the new smoking, we know that. It's super dangerous for you, so get up as much as you can. And oh yes, losing weight. Um, that, this is another tip from Dr. Cantrell. He said that losing weight, he said 80% of his um, patients, let's see how, I'm gonna quote him wrong. I won't, I won't give you the, the percentages, but he said most of his patients just have to lose five to 10 pounds to make a big difference on their sleep apnea. So um, relieving stress on your internal organs would also be a factor when you lose weight. One way to do that is to eat real food and not weird fake food. Um, you know, if your great-grandmother didn't eat it 100 and, 100 and some years ago, it's probably not real food. And drink lots of water. By the way, being, um, have, not having enough water, dehydrated, sorry, I couldn't think of that word. Being dehydrated has the same symptoms as sleep deprivation has. So the fatigue, the dragging, um, lack of concentration. If you're feeling that throughout the day, but you know that you got a good night's sleep, you might stop and consider, hey, when's the last time I had a good gulp of water? It's absolutely crucial to our brain health. Um, but obviously quit drinking several hours before bedtime um, because you want to avoid anything that wakes you up in the middle of the night. And caffeine, this is a tough one, but it's recommended that we stop at least six hours before bedtime. After lunch would be great. If you could just say, you know what, I'm gonna have my coffee and my chocolate, everything right before lunch should be done. That could really help your problem. Um, some people say that they sleep fine with caffeine right before bed, and that's true of some people. You have a special enzyme in your liver that, that breaks it down a lot faster than the rest of us can, but most of us need to quit uh, before lunchtime or at least by two. Number 15, move electronics away from your bed and have no blue light appearing in your bedroom whatsoever. I just recently learned, just over this weekend, I was catching up on, a, on some reading, and I just recently learned that this blue light, the blue LED light, was developed in 1997. It hasn't been around that long at all. So I think it's taking a toll on us, though. I think that could explain a lot about why kids are sleeping less, why we are sleeping less because that blue light keeps us awake so much longer than the incandescent light or other lights. Um, it's, it's, it's on the end of the spectrum that's telling our brain that it's time to be awake. So while we're looking at other kind, types of lights, um, it's not that strong of a message to our brain, but with computers, iPads, phones that we look at right before we go to bed, let's try to have a little social media diet an hour before bedtime and just put it away. So there are also brightness settings that you can use on all your devices. I am guilty of using my iPad in bed because I like to watch movies sometimes. However, um, I have it on as low as of brightness as possible. Um, I also have a blue light filtering screen on it, which I think I'll talk about later. I also have yellow glasses that I wear. Looks like an idiot, right? But I want to sleep and I still want to watch my movies. Number 16, turn off all devices so there's no dinging, vibrating, or lighting up. And especially if you have a partner, a bed partner who is doing that. Um, if it's waking you up, make it stop. Your cell phone still works on airport mode. Um, you know, you'll still get your messages, your alarm clock will work. 
You can put it on do not disturb setting and you can get selected calls. Just do whatever you can to stop that constant interruption. This one's good, right? Kick the pets, kids, the spouse, whatever it is out of your bed that's causing you to not sleep well. Because your sleep is much more important than being in the same bed with a kid or a pet or a spouse. However, like I mentioned before, if there is that significant gasping or holding the breath, um, that person needs to be checked for, checked for sleep apnea. Number 18, use a humidifier next to your bed during the winter, as long as it's clean, because that is a major factor in sinus problems. And also use a fan in the summer for air movement that can just help you um, cool off and help with that vasodilation. Use a non-lighted noise machine called white noise on your phone. That's just one suggestion, or you can buy, you can buy the machines. Um, there are many apps now that you can use to just create noise to drown out everything around you. Use the bedroom for sleep and sex only. In other words, my main point here is not for television and not for working especially, but also intimacy, more intimacy equals better sleep and better sleep equals higher libido. So it's a full circle of benefits. Stretch more throughout the day, especially when you wake up because that pushes the blood to your muscles and your brain for more energy and your cleftiness will go down and you'll have fewer accidents. Absolutely very important. This is a big one that got the most votes for keeping us awake, monkey mind. This is something that uh, Buddha labeled way back when. By the way, Buddha is just a guy. He's not a god. So I'm not trying to force Buddhist thoughts on you or something, but um, social workers still use this term today, monkey mind. It's, it's when all these things in your brain are fighting for attention and they're screeching and, you know, just like monkeys would if there are a bunch of them just wreaking havoc. So try taking some time in the evening to process your, your day and your what is to come and do your to-do notes and organize. And again, bedtime, not, not quite as important as we thought it was. Don't go to bed if you are not sleepy because that, as you know, can result sometimes in just staring at the ceiling and thinking and thinking and thinking. This is an easy one. Try some pleasant scents like lavender. It's been proven to promote relaxation. There are many ways that you can do that. In the winter, preheat your a bed with an electric blanket or a mattress pad, but this is key, turn it off when you get into bed. I've done it so many times where I forget to turn it off and I wake up sweating, but it's a great one um, so that you can be comfortable when you get into bed, but then you can let that cooling process happen. Stop watching television or your computer or your smartphone or your iPad an hour before going to bed, absolutely recommended. I know most people aren't going to break that habit. So again, at least use that light reducing screen or glasses or both if you're a nerd like me. Use your alarm clock the right way. I would imagine many of you hit that snooze button three, four, five times. I've heard horror stories of how many times that can happen. Um, gosh, what a waste of sleep. You know, if you can make yourself not use it at all, you will gain so much more sleep. And here's an idea for you. This is just a personal note. This is nothing research-based, something that I have discovered that I love. It's called the Sleep Cycle app and it's free. Um, and it shows there a little example of what you can do. You can set it to wake you up um, in your 
non-REM sleep, which is your less deep sleep, light sleep, heavy sleep, light sleep, heavy sleep. That's normal, you want that. So if yours looks like that, that's good. Um, but what this alarm does is you can set it for any, any span of time. I have mine set for a, for a half an hour. You can set it to wake you when, it's, when you're in lighter sleep so that it, you're not so groggy and surprised when it does wake you up. I love that feature about it. And you can pay to have more features for data and all that. I don't pay. I just use it for that feature and to see how I slept during the night. And I recommend also do not use it if it just stresses you out to see that you're not sleeping. You know, if you can't use it in a positive way and say, well, you know, I got six and a half last night. That's that's all right. I'll, you know, I'll try to do better. I know that I need to work on it. And it, and it does kind of make you think about what you need to do throughout the day to affect how you sleep at night. Absolutely use it. But if you're going to use it to say, oh my gosh, I didn't sleep again, and that freaks me out, and then you're laying awake because you're freaking out because you aren't sleeping, don't use it. And let's see here. Okay, you could try keeping a diary of habits. Like I said, what you do during the day absolutely influences what happens at night. So keep this information. Um, there are many ways to do it. See what's best for you, and you might find a pattern. Also, go to bed each night with a, an attitude of gratitude towards sleep. Make your bedroom your personal oasis, you know, quiet, clean, uncluttered, and absolutely dark, by the way. Because again, remember that one of the two most important things, light and temperature. And with light, that means totally dark when you sleep with no night lights, nothing blinking at you. I don't even have an alarm clock in my room because I don't want to see what time it is. It doesn't matter except for when I get up. So anything that's bright in your room that's showing light, um, get rid of it. Also, this is a great one. A heavy blanket can, can uh, create this deep, deep touch therapy sort of feeling. Um, this is something that is used often with autistic people and it, it really can work. It, it just cradles you and makes you feel comfortable and relaxes you. And number 30, for chronic insomnia, if absolutely nothing is working for you, try CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is essentially looking at everything that we talked about today and trying to come up with a best plan to tackle any issues that you have. And I will leave you with this because um, my master's degree is in gerontology, which is the study of aging. I know that of all the things you can do to your body, Sleep deprivation has the biggest impact on aging. So think about that. We want to stay young, we should sleep. So go back to your, your list, your five everyday priorities. Great. Well, thank you very much for being here with us today. I always everybody be safe. Um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Great. Same to you all. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the AgriSafe Network podcast, where our mission is protecting the people who feed the world. 
You can learn more about the AgriSafe network at agrisafe.org and be sure to check out the Learning Lab and all of the excellent resources available on the site. You can also find us on Facebook or contact us anytime at info at agrisafe.org.